Let me offer a prayer for us as we hear the word. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of these, your faithful, gathered here out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there's something about singing, isn't there? Well, you know what I mean. In the shower, in your car, while walking the dog, or gardening or cleaning. There's just something about singing that fills your soul and lifts your spirits and helps your heart to beat. Well, in New Orleans this week, I was walking alone, and as I passed a restaurant that opened out onto the street, a woman was there. She was sweeping the floor and singing quietly to herself. And I just happened to notice that her coworker, who was wiping the tables down, was smiling as she sang. Well, and then this weekend, as Stephanie and I took turns ferrying Sydney and her three friends all over Dallas uh, to various events, in the evening on Friday, I took the four of them, I brought them here for the new church lock-in. On the way, they used my phone to sync several songs by none other than Taylor Swift. I think the name for those kinds of followers is Swifties. <laughs> I know you're amazed that I know that. <laughs> and sing, oh my word, did they sing, screaming the lyrics. It was nothing short of unspeakable joy for them to be together as friends and singing at the top of their lungs. It was love, pure love. And today we light the candle, the Advent candle of love, to dispel the shadows of hate in our world. We come now to this fourth Sunday of Advent, which tells us that the coming light is on the horizon, almost here. And last week we heard the story of the visitation as Mary goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, both of them pregnant, both of them shamed, one for being old and pregnant, one for being young and unmarried and pregnant. Uh, reading Luke's account of Mary's visit to Elizabeth in this candlelight cast it as a story of a loving God who works through loving relationships and at the same time casts love as an unfolding force in history. It takes shape from generation to generation in the midst of unexpected and often very ordinary people like you and me. Last week, we heard Elizabeth the prophet proclaim the special place Mary has in this history. You remember, of course, that Mary was visited in an ecstatic experience by the angel Gabriel. And um, the news was good news, bad news. It was that she was a favored child of God, chosen for a special purpose, but the special purpose was to bear the love of God in her own body. And, and as much and as dangerous as all of that was, she said to 
to the angel, let it be with me according to your word. Stunning, isn't it? And then went to see her cousin Elizabeth. I remind you that the scenes featuring women as protagonists with no men present are rare in scripture. Interestingly, and I find this fascinating, that the writer of the Gospel of Luke bookends the life of Jesus with two such scenes. Here at the beginning, Mary and Elizabeth, both pregnant, and at the end, when another Mary visits an empty tomb and becomes the apostle to the apostles. In this sense, Luke turns the marginalization of women on its head. At both crucial points in the action, birth and death, womb and tomb, women are at the very center of the story. And today, we hear the continuing story as Mary sings her song of response to Elizabeth's blessing and proclamation. Her song is called the Magnificat, which is taken from the first word in the Latin translation. It echoes another song in scripture, by the way, another woman, another elderly woman by the name of Hannah sings a song almost identical to Mary's. And in that first testament, Hannah becomes the mother of Samuel. And, and, and she is, and Mary obviously is well acquainted with her scripture stories. Now, Hannah, thanking God for um, the blessing of Samuel, sings of divine majesty and power, painting a picture of God as a master of reversals. God raises up the poor from the dust, and even the bows of the mighty are broken. Sounds very similar, right? Musically, Mary's song is just the beginning, suggesting that the joyful mystery of God's love cannot be contained or expressed by words alone, that there has to be power and poetry and song to, to break through the mundane to the magnificent. We learned last week that part of what is behind Mary's hasty departure for Elizabeth's home in the Judean hillside well may have been the sheer vulnerability of being young, pregnant, unmarried in the first century Palestine. Well, or for that matter, anytime, anywhere. Or perhaps she was simply eager to celebrate with a confidant since joy is seldom complete until it's shared with someone. Whatever her motives, Mary's first move was to Elizabeth's home, a place of sanctuary, inspiring solidarity and support. The fact that this sanctuary was in the hill country of Judea, some distance away from the more politically and prophetically prestigiously correct cities of Jerusalem and Rome, Bethlehem, and even Nazareth, only underscores this story's theme. The God of love, listen, the God of love lifts up the lowly, working out deeds of power through supposedly powerless people and places. This should tell us something where we need to be looking for God's love entering the world, doesn't it? Elizabeth's greeting to Mary, blessed are you among women, recalls the ancient words first spoken about Jael and Judith. 
Do you know those two women characters in scripture? Two First Testament women famous for the parts they played in liberating Israel. And so Mary is framed in this imagination as a liberator. She sings, a great chorus sings with her, the generations of women throughout the ages with crucial roles in salvation history. Elizabeth says that when she heard Mary's voice, the baby in her womb leaped up, the baby who would become John the baptizer. And as the baby leaped, so does Elizabeth leap with her prophetic proclamation, and so does Mary leap with her song. The common thread here is a particular kind of anticipatory joy. Think about, think about the youngest children waiting on Christmas. The, the anticipatory joy is almost the whole thing, right? I remember laying in bed with my sister in my grandparents' house and we could see into the living room in the shadows that there were gifts there. The anticipation was almost more than we could bear. We laid there whispering to each other. Of course, today, um, both women, like both women, there are still shadows and uncertainty for women who dare to be revolutionaries. And these two women are still on the margins of society, and the divine promises seem incredible to them, and to us, I suppose. Nevertheless, they sing. Nevertheless, they proclaim. Nevertheless, they honor God with praise and thanksgiving. And Luke portrays Mary not only as strong and poised, but also educated and insightful. Her song mirroring Hannah and Jael and Judith tells the story of the Jewish faith and, and was most likely, it was Mary who instilled in her son a love of scripture and interpretation, a love of the Jewish story of revolution and reconciliation. Only someone profoundly familiar with Hebrew tradition could have told her story, reflecting that First Testament story. Luke's point is clear. Mary is a young woman of vision, learning, artistry, and courage. She interprets her life according to the ancient patterns of divine love and action, and her song encourages us to do the same. When we listen to Mary's song through the lens of the Advent theme of love, you and I get an invitation to reflect on what love really is, both God's love and ours, not some fleeting emotional thing, but a deep and profound underlying emotion that sustains us in our most difficult times. The Christian story expressed in the Christmas story is a multi-generational love story with God at the center. It is a story of God coming to be with us as told through prestigious prophets and nowhere towns, through young women and old, through shepherds 
and magi, angel, song, and brilliant star, through scripture and song it is given to us. In short, this beautiful ancient story insists that God's love is a force that remakes the world. And Mary sings this revolutionary song about God's revolutionary love that brings down the mighty and lifts up the lowly, something hard for us to see today. And the story has a lot for us to consider. I mean, just as Mary learned from her ancestor Hannah, we are wise to devote time to studying the tradition we've inherited, even, even learning the stories and some of the phrases by heart. At the same time, we can learn to interpret and experience our lives through these ancient themes and patterns. We are also given new opportunities and challenges. We are wise to follow Mary's example and intentionally seek out, out allies, forming sanctuaries of love and mutual support. As our book study we've been in uh, told us this last week, or this week, we are to walk each other home. It is our responsibility to help each other find their way home to God. And, and also, drawing inspiration from both our forebears and our friends, the next step is having the courage to lift our voices and sing, or at least speak, if you're not into singing, at least speak about the truths, the justice, the peace that we are called to bring and give birth to in this world. I think given this story and this song of Mary's, we can set aside once and for all that Mary was meek and mild. She has nothing less than the first disciple, a force to be reckoned with. Her world-turning yes, and let it be with me according to your word, come from the same conviction that causes her to break into song. Her fierce, bold, deep down in her bones trust that God's love then and now is making all things new. Hear that new church? God is making all things new. Her glory, however, is almost always connected with her maternity. So let me just say a word about that. <laughs> Mary is Mary because of Jesus. But before she was Jesus' mother, Mary sang a prophetic song. Long before the cry of the infant in the manger, Mary proclaims the inbreaking of God's reign, the political justice that will be born into the world. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the one who carried light into the world. Yes, because Mary is Mary because of Jesus. But Jesus was born Jesus because of Mary's yes. Mary, who responded to the call of God saying, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Without her, the light would not have shined forth in the midst of oppression and injustice and darkness. And the questions for us on this Sunday of love are, what song will we sing? What light will we bear into this world? Though he grew up in a modest home to elderly parents, and though he lived during the Great Depression and was a paratrooper who jumped into France the night before D-Day, 
was in the Battle of the Bulge and saw many of his friends killed and helped liberate a concentration camp, the most horrific thing this world has produced. My dad, Lewis Hudson, Papa Hut, was perhaps one of the most joyful persons I have ever known. He sang constantly. <laughs> songs he knew, songs he made up. <laughs> he designated songs for all of his girls. My mom, beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. My sister Kay, Katie, beautiful Katie. My sister Sue, Sue City Sue. <laughs> and me, you are my sunshine. <laughs> the problem was, he couldn't sing very well. <laughs> Rarely on key, often, croak, often croaking more than singing. When he was a cadet at Texas A&M in his first year as a fish, not these fish, but that's what they call first year students at Texas A&M, <laughs> Um, his upperclassmen once told him, get up on the, on the dining room table and sing the Texas Aggie fight song. And he started singing at the top of his lungs, and they said, shut up and sit down. <laughs> and often, when he would get up before dawn, which was his custom, he'd be outside doing things like taking out the trash, cleaning up the garage, and would start singing at the top of his lungs. And my mom would go running outside to tell him to be quiet that the sun was not even up yet. <laughs> the bottom line for him, whether singing known songs or making up his own, was to sing of his great joy for the things that God had done for him. And I'm convinced that that kind of deep and profound joy, that kind of deep and profound love, that he carried within him in spite of all that he had seen and experienced helped mold him into a person of peace, justice, and love for all the people he encountered. So as we anticipate the coming light in this remembrance of the birth of Jesus in this season of growing darkness, what song will you sing? What love will you proclaim? What light will you shine? Because this world needs your voice. This world of brokenness and darkness needs your song, needs your light, needs your love. What will you usher into this world and give birth to? Amen. <laughs>